we are in Luke 1:26 this morning. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and is in the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Some family business first. Um, after service today, there's an open house downstairs. Um, for the last few years, um, Pastor James has been a faithful servant here at Plum City Church. Um, he has been an unpaid pastor. Um, he has preached here. He has cared for our people and uh, never asked for a dollar. We've been grateful to have him and his family serving. And recently, a church in Alaska saw the goods and said, uh, come on north. Um, where he's moving to is having record snowfall right now in Alaska. They've had three feet already. Listen, it's going to happen to a better guy. No, um, but we're having an open house for them just to say thank you. If you want to stay after service downstairs, there's going to be uh, pizzas, Indian food, just we're going to eat together and just thank the Klauses for their sacrifice and their faithfulness to Flint City. Um, if you want to um, bless them, don't give them anything. They had to sell everything they owned to go to Alaska. They don't need any more trinkets or, or books. They just, they, they, I've been over there, they're, they're like, they can only bring like bags on the airplane, you know what I'm saying? It's going to be crazy for them. Um, but uh, if you want to stay, you're more than welcome to stay after service and uh, thank them for their faithfulness. Um, let's go ahead and pray, and then we will open the word together. Thank you, Lord, for the day. I'd ask you to use the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart for your glory. Let your word speak as only your word can. Let us separate bone from marrow. We ask these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. A silly question to start off with. There's no wrong answers. What are some of your favorite things about the Christmas season? Hands up like we're in school. What do you got, Marsh? Move, dude, you're not wrong. I watched Home Alone yesterday. It's what it, it's, Christmas movies are awesome. What do you got? Make it tamales. Make it, that's so Mexican, I can't believe it. Listen, if you don't know, a lot of Mexicans on Christmas Eve will get together with the family and make just hundreds of tamales. I don't know why we do it, but we do it. What do you got? 
putting up the tree. Dude, I went out with uh, my kids, cut one down, put it up in the house, and it looks really, <sighs> the kids saw one, and my wife said, it's too big. We're like, no, nah, it's not too big. It was eight and a half feet tall. It, it, it looked smaller out in a field, you know? But our house is a tree and a couple couches right now. Um, but uh, there's a lot of things that make Christmas fun. We, we all, some of us like them, and they're, they, they're, they're memorable, they're traditions. Not everyone loves Christmas, though. Some people, this is a hard time of year for them. It really is. Some people, the lights, the songs, these things remind them of sad memories. Some people, when they were kids, Christmas was a hard time of year, not a good time of year. And so now that they're adults or adolescents, when the cold comes and the lights come, there's a sadness that rises in some people's hearts. Some people don't like Christmas, and some of us like Christmas for the wrong reasons. Some of us, the things we like about Christmas, we kind of love. These are not bad things. The eggnog's not bad. The movies are not bad. The tree's not bad. Sometimes we take those little like surrounding things, and they become for us the most important things. But Christmas is not about the trees and the presents and the movies. It's about the birth of Christ. Now, for me personally, my wife is a, I always call her a tree farm girl. She grew up on a Christmas tree farm. The day after Thanksgiving at her home, there would be horse-drawn carriages at her property that would take you horse-drawn back to the woods, and you cut a tree down, and it was, for her, she grew up in this magical place. So she loves Christmas. Now, me... She married the Grinch. <laughs> I hated Christmas when we first got married. It was very tough for us. The reason I don't hate Christmas anymore is very simple. Even though I have a lot of sad memories about the holidays, I have learned that the, the season is not about what happened as a child. I've learned to realize this season is a time to celebrate the coming of the Christ. So for this month, we're taking time to, we're going to the book of Luke. We're going to look at the coming of the Christ. And hopefully for all of us, we will get the season and we will be grateful for it for all the right reasons. We begin in Luke 1.26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Let's, get, let's set the scene for us. It says that we are in Galilee, in a city called Nazareth. Galilee is kind of like Shiawassee County, okay? You're kind of far from any population centers. And Nazareth is kind of like Durand. It's a small dirt town. They say there's about 100 people that lived in Nazareth at the time. This town is so small and so insignificant. Later on, someone says, what good thing has ever come from Nazareth? This is a town no one goes to. It's a town no one comes from. And in this town, there's two people. There's a young lady named Mary, and she's betrothed to a man named Joseph. What is betrothal? Betrothal is not the same as engagement. Engagement in America you can go out to a nice dinner or you go on a hike or something and then at some point in the romantic evening, you go to one knee, blah, blam, will you marry me? 
hopefully she says yes. That's engagement in America. Back in the ancient Near East, it's not just a guy and a girl. It's families. Your dad goes to her dad, and they talk, and they negotiate. Is your family name strong? Do I want to be connected to your family? If we let you marry our daughter, uh, how many cows are you going to give us for her? You know what I'm saying? How many goats? How much money? There's a dowry must be paid. And if the two parties agree, they enter a legal contract saying, okay, our two kids can get married. They are now betrothed. This is a legal contractual agreement that's way stronger than our engagements. If you break a betrothal, you can be sued in court in this world. Now, once a couple is betrothed, the young man will leave. The young man leaves for a year and to go build the home they're going to live in. That's his job. He must go and build the house that they will spend their life in. And what does the girl do while the man is off building the house? Her job is to stay, wait, and be faithful to her coming husband. It's why Christ tells so many stories of the bride waiting for her groom to come to her. There's a lot of parables of her waiting for the bride or for the groom to come to her because in this society, that girl went and she was to wait faithfully for her husband who would come for her when the house was ready. There was expectation. There was a waiting. When will he come? Her only job is to be found faithful when he returns. Those are our characters. Joseph, Mary, in the small dirt town of Nazareth. And an angel shows up in the middle of this town. Now you must understand, angels showing up is not a common occurrence. Actually, in this moment in history, when Luke opens, God hasn't spoken for 400 years. Generations have lived and died, and God hasn't said a word. People say, man, what kind of time God talked to our forefather Moses. God talked to David. God talked to Elijah. That must have been awesome, because he ain't saying nothing right now. And all of a sudden, after all the silence, an angel shows up. And it says to this woman, greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. And she is very perplexed at this statement. What Pondrick kind of reading this was, angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Twice you see that word, favor. He goes, greetings, favored one. Then he says, Mary, you have found favor with God. What is favor? Favor is undeserved kindness, undeserved blessing. Example, last month I went to Detroit. I went to... Oh, I went to a place. Not the fox, the small fox, what's it called? The, is it the Fisher? Next to the fox? I was at the Fisher Theater. Went to see a, a, yeah, a good call. I went there to see a band with my wife, and I got us tickets. We were going to get a table and watch this awesome band we loved from our youth. We get there, sit at our table, buy some fries. Life is awesome. Eating fries, good music, what's better? Well, when the, the, the first band, everyone's just, just chilling, talking, when the real, the, the, the primary band came out, everyone stands because they're pumped. When everyone stood, we were on the flat. We couldn't see nothing. Well, all we saw people people's backs. We're trying to see through shoulders. We can hear it. We just can't see nothing. I'm like, oh, man, these 
tickets aren't awesome. I was kind of bummed, you know. So I'm, I'm still singing along to songs I love, kind of jamming, you know, in the, in the aisle. And all of a sudden, I get a tap on the shoulder. I turn, and it's a lady that works there. And I'm thinking, I'm in trouble. I'm singing too loud. I'm dancing too much. I did something wrong. And I'm like, and I'm scared. I'm like, yeah? She goes, listen, there's a lot of tables. A lot of people can't see in this section. She goes, would you like better seats? And I was like, what? Because we're loud. She goes, would you like better seats? I was like, yeah. She's like, well, follow me. She says, what can I grab? I'm like, hey, come, come. I don't tell her what. She's like, she's like we, we got walking. We walk through all these people. We walk through some hallways. And all of a sudden, I pop out. And I'm in this suite, a box, on the side of the fish looking down on the stage. It's a 10-person suite. Only me and Angie in there. And we're looking around, and I'm like, this is awesome. Listen, I didn't do anything. I, I didn't deserve that. I didn't pay for that. It was the kindness given to me for no reason. In that moment, I was favored, and I felt it. Mary is told, God favors you. He sees you, and he wants to give you a special, unique kindness. Now listen. Mary, the mother of Christ, she is the recipient of grace. She receives God's favor. She does not give God's favor. Sometimes people think that because Mary is so loved by God, she's able to forgive us of sins like Jesus does. She doesn't have that power. Mary needs her son's sacrifice as much as we do. Mary needs Christ to die that she may live. She is favored of God, but she does not, she cannot give us his favor. Mary is blessed by God. And then she's told this. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. Mary you're going to have a baby. Let me tell you about your baby. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and there will be no end of his kingdom. Sometimes when someone's pregnant, grandma's old aunts will come up to the, the pregnant woman and touch the belly Listen, if you're not related, don't ever do that. That's, that's an invasion of, of privacy. <sighs> My poor wife, she's pregnant. Everyone would be like, oh, the baby. She's like, why does everyone feel like they touch me because I'm pregnant? I'm like, I'm sorry, babe. But sometimes, like, aunts or grandmas will go up to the, the, the and say, oh, this baby's going to be a soccer player, or this baby's going to be big and strong. Like, how do you know? They, they just say things, you know. This angel says some stuff about this baby. She's like, Mary. Your baby will be great. Every parent wants to hear that. Your baby will be called the son of the most high God. Your baby will have the throne of David. Your baby will reign over the house of Jacob forever. There will be no end of his kingdom. She is told, basically, 
You understand? So God hasn't spoken in 400 years, but every Jewish person, they're waiting for God to show back up because God made promises long ago. Way back in the Garden of Eden, when sin first entered the world, God told the serpent, Serpent, there will be war between you and the woman forever. And someday, serpent, the son of the, the woman, you will bite his heel and he will crush your head. And so Israel's, the people of God are waiting for someone to come to crush the serpent. Good history, David is told, David is told, David, someday you're going to have a kid, someday one of your children will be a forever king, ruling over a forever kingdom. So all the Jewish people are waiting for these promises of God to come to fruition. And the angel says to Mary, you know all those things you're waiting for? Your son is a fulfillment of all those promises. Everything everyone's been waiting for is about to happen, and your son is the key to it all. That's a lot to drop on somebody on a Tuesday. Your son is the answer for all humanity. The son of the most high God, he will be a forever king, ruling a forever kingdom. Remember, they're in a dirt town in Galilee called Nazareth. They're nobodies. They're nobodies. They've never been on the city council, let alone a mayor, let alone the governor, let alone the president, let alone the ruler of all creation. She's told in no uncertain terms, God's son is coming to earth. This is the point of Christmas. God, Jesus Christ, who was alive from eternity past, is going to break into our world. God's son is coming to earth. And she has one question. Her question is not, when will he be the king? Her question is not, who's going to help me? She has one question. How can this be so? I am a virgin. She's not a dumb girl. She's told, you're going to have a baby. You're going to have a baby. And she's like, that sounds great. We got a problem. She knows enough to know. Children don't come until after the union of a man and a woman. She's like, I don't have that piece. I'm missing a pretty important piece of this equation. How are you going to make this happen? Because she understands that what God is saying here, what the angel is saying to her, is impossible. Not improbable. It's not snake eyes. It's, you can't, it's like I'm going to roll two dice and I'm going to get a 32. It's impossible. What the angel said is going to happen cannot happen. I want to say this to us right now. So God's son's coming to earth, and God's son is coming to earth in an impossible way. Now here at Flint City Church, we are not anti-science. We believe that following Jesus is reasonable, rational. I'm not trying to be big-headed. I have in my life had the opportunity to debate atheists in different forums on TV and college campuses. 
I can hold my own because I believe the gospel is a reasonable faith. We understand something. We have archaeological evidence of the Christ, historical evidence of the Christ, philosophical strength about Jesus, but eventually you come to the edge because you can't prove all of it. The virgin birth makes no sense. If I was an atheist, this is where I'm attacking. That can't happen. I'm going, you're right, you can't. And so we have, we have a choice to make. No matter how smart you are, you come to the edge and you must have faith. No matter how smart you are here, will you trust him? Will you choose to believe his word? Dead people don't sit in the grave for three days and get back up. Doesn't happen. But we say it happened. There's this act of faith, this step of faith that must happen. And I want to say this about the act of faith, the step of faith. I'm not saying close your eyes and just jump into the dark. I'm not saying that. There's this old theologian named Kierkegaard the Dane. If you know that name, you're a nerd just like me. But Kierkegaard made this one line famous. He said, believing in Jesus was taking a leap of faith. He said, you just got to close your eyes and jump. And I disagree with him. And he said, look at Abraham. Abraham was asked by God to offer up his own son. Abraham is given his son Isaac by the Lord. And then the Lord said, Abraham, take Isaac on the mountain and you offer him as a sacrifice to me. You give him back. And Abraham walks to the mountain, takes his son, ties him up, puts him on the altar, and pulls the knife in the air. Some say, look, he just believed and jumped into the darkness. And I say, no, he didn't. In that moment, Abraham, you understand Abraham, Abraham had been walking with God for years. For years! And Abraham had with the Lord relational equity. He got to know the Lord and learn to trust the Lord. God had showed up for Abraham in small ways, small ways, small ways. When the big thing came, he goes, you know what? I don't know how it's going to work, but man, he's been good to me every time before. He showed himself trustworthy so I can trust him now. Not a leap of faith, but faith in a person you've come to know. It's different, right? One time, whoa, here's a story for you. I pull up at my old house, and she goes to get in the car, and we're in a hurry, so she's like, like beeping, like, come on, baby, let's go. She comes out of the house, opens the door of the van, and just stops. I'm like, come on, baby, we gotta go. She goes, what's that? I look in the seat next to me, and on the seat, in my car, there's a hotel key card. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. Because <laughs> I didn't know what it was. I was like, I don't know. And she picks it up. It's a hotel key card. Listen, that looks stinking bad, don't it? Like, she's a right to go, uh, baby, you got something to tell me? I literally, I'm, I'm, my mind, I'm like, uh, where, where does this come from? Who's in my car recently? I, mean, I, I have no idea where this came from. Um, she looks at me, she's like, what is this? And I'm like, Angie, I have no idea where that's from. I don't know how it got here. I'm faithful to you, darling. 
she looks at me. And I wasn't asking her to believe me for no reason. You understand, we had years of honesty, years of talking and confession, years of being open. And I saw her look at me and do some math in her brain. She's like, I can trust you. She goes, I trust you. And she just, she didn't hold it against me, didn't yell at me. And she just put it in the glove box and we forgot it ever happened. Years later, I was telling this story. And someone was like, oh man, I left that in your bed. I'm like, you! Like, you're going to be killed, bro! But she didn't just believe me because I asked her to. She was like, see, man, we have this history, this relationship that has shown, you, shown yourself to be true. We, this act of faith we take, we're like, man, God, you have come through every time, and I'm going to trust you for this next season I'm going into. We trust him because he has shown himself to be trustworthy. How can this be, she says. And the angel says to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. For nothing will be impossible with God. The angel says, listen, can God do miracles with pregnancies? Your cousin, who's barren and old, is pregnant. I can do it. God's like, I got the receipt showing you I can do it. Go north 35 miles, you're going to see I've already done it. God's like, I've done it before, I can do it again, trust me. Trust me. For nothing shall be impossible with God. And this is, this requires faith. In our journey with God, in my journey with the Lord, I, I went to church every day for a year. I sat in a back row. I listened. I wondered, is this true? I read a bunch of books. I read the book of Matthew. Listen to a preacher preaching. I'm wondering, is this true? Is this real? And when I, I, all my questions got answered. But still, I wasn't all the way in because the last question wasn't, is it believable? The last question was, will I believe? Will I trust? Will I choose to say, you're there and I will follow? That is not an act of the mind. That's an act of the will. It's a choosing. God's son's going to come in an impossible way. A virgin is going to give birth. This is a fulfillment of a prophecy because Isaiah said, a thousand years before Isaiah said, Behold, a virgin shall give birth and you shall call his name. Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. God coming down to be with us. And this is the fulfillment of that promise. But here's the deal. The angel tells Mary, I'm going to do the impossible. 
you know, wake up and be pregnant, and it's going to be a miraculous, impossible thing. But what's it going to cost her? You understand, what's her one job? While her betrothed husband is out building the house, her one job is to not get pregnant. To be faithful to that man. He's going to come home. It's like, baby, I built the house. She goes, baby, I love you. God's baby. Listen, no one in the history of the world is going to believe that story. Nobody. And Joseph don't either. Joseph's not an idiot. She says, listen, I'm pregnant. You're, I thought you loved me. You're going to wait for me. She, oh, it wasn't. I didn't cheat on you. It's the Lord. He goes, he's a good man. He is Joseph. My daughter and I are driving to church today, and we're listening to um, the Bible on tape. And Lena just says to me, she goes, man, Dad, Joseph was a good man. I'm like, yes, he was. When he finds out she's pregnant, he's hurt. He has every right in that moment to blow her up on social media, doesn't he? He can tell the whole world, I done built her a house. She done me dirty. Feel bad for me. He's like, you know what? I don't want to blow her life up. I, I, I'm going to come home and I'm going to end this betrothal quietly. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to, her life's already going to be hard. I'm not going to discredit her in our village. He decides to be a good man even when he feels completely betrayed. And he would have left too, as most men would have, if not for the Lord who said, like one day, Joseph, what? what? She's not lying, bro. And he's like, okay, I can't, I, it's an angel, can't argue with that. And he's going to marry her. But even, even, even though that, even with that, she knows I'm going to lose my fiance. And even if he stays, there will be a shadow over us the rest of our lives, and there is. Because when they got married, the baby comes like, you know, five months later, doing the math. One, two, three. Oh, they were bad. Oh, shotgun wedding. Or maybe some people said, oh, man, I don't think that baby really Joseph's. Ooh. Jesus' whole life, there's a shadow over him that he's an illegitimate child. Angel's asking a lot of Mary. And what does Mary respond? When God says, I'm going, Mary, you are blessed by God. You're going to carry God's son and bring the hope of the world into existence. And Mary said, verse 38, Behold, the slave of the Lord. I am the servant of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. I trust you. May it be to me as you say. Here's the equation I want to teach us this morning. God's favor and our faithfulness can accomplish the impossible. God's favor and our yes can bring the impossible. Now, Mary cannot make this baby just show up in her belly. She can't be like, baby, it happens. Not going to happen. All she can say is yes. That's all she has to give is yes. Listen, the word here, she goes, may it be done to me according to your word. You know what the, the Greek word for this basically is? It's amen. The angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and have a baby. She goes, Amen. 
I receive, I will do as you ask. Whatever you say, I am in. She says, yes. When God asks, when God calls, are you willing to say yes? I'm reading a book right now by Beth Moore. Beth Moore is like a famous Bible teacher. She does a lot of uh, studies for ladies. And she wrote recently a memoir called My Knotted Up Life. And I'm reading it. I just finished it. I cried like 10 times reading it. It, it just was so good. I never knew how. Cause she's like super famous preacher lady, you know, preacher, teacher, Bible study lady. I never knew how she got into that, you know, how she became so popular. So she tells her story in the book, and it made me laugh so much. She was just, she got married to her college sweetheart. They had a baby. And one day, she was going to a small church, like our church, small like this, little Baptist church in, I think, in Texas. And the pastor asked her, the pastor's wife asked her, will you be willing to start a Christian aerobics class in our church? This is the 80s, early 80s. When aerobics was the best. And she goes, I don't know aerobics. I go, you were a cheerleader. You know jumping and rah-rah. So do it for us. She prays about it. She comes back to the pastor's wife. She says, I'll do the Christian aerobics class on one condition if I can choose the music. This is early 80s. This is like the beginning of the boom, town, boom time for Christian music. She's playing Stephen Curtis Chapman, Michael W. Smith, Amy Grant. She's rocking doing aerobics with ladies at this church. It starts with five ladies, ten ladies, twenty ladies. It starts getting big. One day she gets asked to speak at a conference on God and fitness. And uh, there's a picture of her. It's, I feel bad. Um, she's up there with a the Bible teaching these ladies, and she's got a sweatband on, and she's wearing the aerobic stuff, which doesn't age well, let me tell you. Uh, and I'm reading her story, how she started off just doing a Christian aerobics class at her small little church, and how she said yes to God in this small way, small way, small way. She said, listen, I don't know why God took me where he took me. All I did was be faithful with the thing he put in front of me. That's all he did, all she did. A door opened here, I said yes, and the Lord blessed the efforts. Mary is an incredible example to all of us. We don't worship her. We don't pray to her, but man, we can be inspired by her. She's a brave woman. In light, even knowing, saying yes to God might cost me reputation, might cost me my husband, might cost me my future. May it be to me according to your word, O oh Lord. We should have that same heart in us as Mary had in her. When God said, I'm going to do something awesome, are you in? She was like, I, I can't do any of this, but I'm willing to trust you. Will you say yes to the Lord? As we go forward in this series, The Birth of Christ, I hope to reorient ourselves to remember this season is made wonderful because the Christ came. The Son of God has come to earth. God who's up high came down and got in the mud with us. With us! I got a puppy. It's not a puppy anymore. It's three years old, but I have a dog. When I brought her home, 
she was the first of her litter to be brought away from the litter. She was the first to be taken from her family. She used to sleep in a big pile of puppies, right? And I'd take her, and she goes home. And the first night, she just howled all night, right? Just all, howled. We all didn't sleep at all, but I was told, you better howl it out. Night number two, the howling starts again. And my kids are like, Dad, we're going crazy. So I went downstairs. I laid on the hardwood floor. And whenever she gets scared, my fingers through the little gate. And she'd smell mine, she'd lick it. And she'd be like, I'm here. We're in the dark together. Whenever you're scared, I'm right here. I got down low. And whenever she was afraid, I was right there. That's why she's my girl now, you know? Because I, the, I was there on those long nights. Like, don't be afraid. That dude. <laughs> Listen. That's a silly illustration, but the Lord... God, who was high in the heavens, came down here to walk among us. When we pray to Jesus, we do not talk to someone who doesn't understand what it's like to be a person. He's been tired. He's been afraid. He's been in pain. He's been betrayed. He's been alone. Tempted in every way that we are, yet without sin. God's Son came to earth in an impossible way. We be part of the story, all requires is our yes. Will you say yes to the Lord when He calls you? Let us pray together. Father in heaven, you are good. And we are so grateful you have sent your Son. You sent your Son to die that we may live. This month we think about your Son. We look back to that. When the world changed, when your son came into creation, clothed in flesh, embodied in an infant's, in an infant's cry, help us to reorient our minds to Christmas, to remember why we celebrate this holiday in the first place, because your son came. Your son came. Help us believe and help us say yes. In Christ's name, we ask all these things. Amen.